Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from November 22nd by Pastor Randy, titled Branches and Sticks, Part 4. This will probably be the, the last week of our boards here. Uh, maybe, we'll see. Um, it, it, it helps some people to see some words up there. But so important about this connection. But before I move on to, to making my, my main point today, what I want to start with is answering some questions. Because questions have come up. People have asked me questions during the week, and so i got a couple of questions that's, that's been asked here, three questions. The first question is this. The first question is this. What if I don't feel God? Well, you know, Because we talked about this is a passion, this is something we desire, this is something we long for. And what if you don't feel this connection? Well, maybe one reason that you may not feel this connection is simply because, is simply because God wants you to draw closer to Him. Let me explain what I mean. Let's look at these verses in Acts. From one man, He has made every nationality live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. So God has set people in certain places at certain times. Why did He do this? What was His purpose? And here's what He says in the next verse. So that you will seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart. See, God does things so we'll long for Him, so we'll have that desire for Him. And sometimes if you don't feel Him, He's wanting you to draw closer to them. He's wanting this desire to become more a part of your life. Think of it this way. If you don't eat, you get what? Hungry. If you don't drink, you get thirsty. And maybe if you don't feel God, maybe it's so you can hunger and thirst after Him, so you'll desire this connection. Here's what we read in, in Jeremiah. Oh, we skipped one. Uh, okay, we got our verse a little bit confused. But Jeremiah, you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with, with all your heart. All right, so God wants us to long for him. He wants us to desire this connection, to have a passion for him. And when that's not there... There's, it may be because he wants you to draw closer to him. Maybe because he's, he's wanting you to, to, to say, oh, I've got to have this. I've got to have this more than anything in my life. Let me explain it this way. I am the son of a diabetic, and my brother is a diabetic. And so I knew there may be some problems with, with blood sugar going on. And so I probably had high blood sugar before I realized I had high blood sugar. But once I realized I had high blood sugar, I started taking a pill. And with that pill, my blood sugar stays around the high part of normal to the low of pre-diabetic. So it does pretty good. But when you take something for high blood sugar, you're in danger of having low blood sugar. Now, I had not figured this out yet because I just started taking the pill. And so one morning at about 6.30 in the morning, I'm on the treadmill. And don't think I do this every day because I don't. That's, that should be obvious. So I'm there on the treadmill. And so I get on there and I crank that thing up to, you know, fairly high. And I start going. And it's just a minute or two I go, man, I don't know if I can do this or not. I just feel so weak. And so I said, well, let me try just starting off a little bit lower. You know, what's going on? So I take it down to, to just a little jog. And so I'm jogging on the treadmill. And I go, something's not right. 
This, uh, you just start feeling just so weak, like I can't hardly move. And I take it down and I start walking and I go, this still doesn't feel right. And so I get off that and I think to myself, I wonder if my blood sugar's low. Now this is before I had all this figured out. I go upstairs, I take my blood sugar, it's like 46, which is, for those who don't know, that's really low. Now, when I realized my blood sugar was low and how I was feeling, I wanted to do anything I can to get that blood sugar back up. Here's, 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 here's the reality of it. Let's say if, if I was out somewhere and, and I was, you know, maybe walking somewhere, maybe in the mountains walking or something like that, and I knew my blood sugar was low and I didn't have anything to eat and there was a sandwich on the ground, I'd pick it up and eat it. That's how desperate you are when you have low blood sugar. Right. There was one time I was scuba diving in Hawaii, and I had two tanks, and I come up from a one-tank dive. I realized my blood sugar was low, and I didn't have anything to eat. I was asking people, hey, do you got anything to eat? Now I'm pretty reserved, so this was kind of big for me. And I was going, do you have anything to eat? Do you have anything? And just anything, it doesn't matter. You just have to have something. God wants us to want Him to want this connection the same way He wants us. God wants this connection with us because we know how... He's very passionate about that. We know because it's called the passion of the Christ. It was his passion to connect with us. He wants us to have that same passion to connect with him. So the first question, when you don't feel him, when you don't feel his connection, maybe it's because God is wanting you to go all out. Maybe it's time where he wants you to say, I want you more than anything else. I have to have this connection. Second question, what if I don't feel that longing for God? You may not have a longing for God at all, longing for this connection because your heart has grown hard. Listen to this verse out of Isaiah 59. Indeed, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save, and His ear is not too deaf to hear. But your iniquities are separating you from God, and your sins have hidden His face from you, so that He does not listen. Perhaps sin has caused your heart to grow hard toward God. Now listen, we all mess up. We all have sin in our lives. But when you have a sin you refuse to repent of, when there's a sin in your life and it just sits there and it grows week after week, month after month, year after year, and it sort of stays and lives there, that becomes like plaque around your heart and causes your heart to grow hard. Think of it like this. We live in Anchorage. We get the top of the jet stream. So we're a lot warmer in the wintertime than most interior of Alaska. A lot colder in the summer, cooler in the summer, but warmer in the wintertime. Right now, you could be living in somewhere in the interior, like Fairbanks, where it gets cold. You know, 40, 50 below zero. And when it's that cold and you've got to go outside... What do you do? You put on two layers of wool socks. You put on your insulated boots. You get your thermals on, and, and you put some other stuff on. You put your snowsuit on top of that, and you get all the headgear, and you go outside. And when you do that, when it's 30 or 40 below, and you're all boned up, the one thing you don't feel is cold. The cold is there, but you just don't feel the cold because there's something insulating you from the cold. God is there. 
But we don't feel Him. We don't even have a longing for this. Why? Because there's something insulating us from that. Our sin is doing that. And our sin can insulate us from, from even having this desire to connect with God. And it happens so often. Uh, some of you say, well, I don't have any big sins in my life. Well, I'm glad you don't have any big, whatever those big sins are. But you need to realize there's a lot of sins that we commit that we don't think are very serious. But God thinks they're deadly serious. And they will take us away from this connection with Him. They'll, they'll put us in a place where we don't even feel that or even have a longing for that connection. Things like gossip, things like worry, things like a critical spirit, things like pride, things like not even longing for this connection. We, we saw last week that our biggest problem is that we don't see that a lack of connection is our biggest problem. Maybe sin has gotten in your heart and is keeping you away from the reality of God's presence. And the truth is, a lot of us, we don't want to find God for the same reason a thief doesn't want to find a policeman. Because we don't want to deal with all that stuff. So we'd rather not have a connection with God. We, had, we would have to deal with what's really going on in our hearts. But here's the third thing. This is the third question. Got called this, we got uh, asked this this week. What does it take to connect or reconnect with God? What we said during this series, it's a lot easier sometimes to keep the rules, to do the stuff, than it is to connect with God, because it's a lot easier to, to do something than it is to trust and surrender to someone. A lot of people, they're not willing to do the hard work of connecting to God. What is that hard work? What do you have to do to connect with God? Are you ready? Here it is. Humility. Humility. And a lot of you just said, is that all you got? And you pass that up. But I promise you, there is no other way for you to connect to God. There is no other road for you to get there than humility. Here's a verse that we went through a while back. Mankind, he has told each one of you what is good and what it is the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God. As if there's any other way to walk with God but humbly. The first thing that, that you need to understand about this is that God wants to walk with us. He wants to do life with us. That's what walk means. And what, what you need to understand is that if you want to connect with God, you can't compartmentalize your life. You can't say work life, home life, entertainment life, uh, hobby life, and over here is my spiritual life. There's no such thing as that. He's talking about all of life, that God wants to do all of life with you. He wants to walk with you through it all. And here's what you need to understand. Humility is at the core of connecting to God. You want this? There is no other way to get this than through humility. That means whenever you have a chance to kill pride in your life, you do it. Hey, I got, I got a little tat with that person, a little argument with that person. I'm going to go apologize. Take that pride. Or how about this? 
There's stuff in my life that's going on that I don't want anybody else to know about. It's just, just a, I wouldn't want anybody else to know about. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go tell these people. Why? Take that pride. For the next week or the next month or maybe the last year or for the rest of my life, whenever I have a conversation with anybody, I'm not going to mention myself. I'm not going to put the attention on myself. They ask me a question about me, I'll quickly answer it, and I'll put the attention back on them. Take that pride. Or how about this? It's what Jesus says in, in James chapter 5. You know, before you criticize your brother, take the log out of your own eye. Right? Get rid of that first. The thing is, whenever we say that, a lot of people go, what problem? I don't have a problem. Why do they do that? Because of pride. Jesus doesn't give them a choice and say, check and see whether or not you have a log in your own eye. No, he says it's there. We've got issues to deal with those issues. But our pride won't let us do that. And that keeps us from connecting to God. People don't want to do the hard work of connecting God and humble themselves. And nobody gets a pass. You want this, you want this connection in your life? Nobody gets a pass. It has to come through, pride, through, through humility. There is no other choice. You have to be willing to humble yourself. So, next thing. Here's what Jesus says. If you love me, you will keep my commands. The one who has, com- who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. These verses force us to ask the question, do we value the presence of God in our lives? Do we? See, people will will fill their lives up with all this activity, and they'll grow exhausted trying to keep the rules, trying to discipline themselves, trying to make sure they do the right thing, and they don't realize they're in desperate need of just to love Him, just to to be with Him. Here's what we read in 2 Corinthians. For the love of Christ compels us, since we have reached this conclusion, if one died for all, then all died. The love of Christ compels us, it pushes us, it, it controls us. The motivating force in the Christian life to do any of this is love. It's love. If you long for His presence, obeying Him, then that will become the delight of your, of your heart, of your life. Here's what I wish everyone understood. That obedience, obeying God, never causes you to love Him or Him to love you. But loving Him always results in obedience. If only we got that straight. Let's put it another way. If you delight in something, you're much more apt to be disciplined by it rather than thinking that discipline is going to bring about delight. See, if you're disciplined in something, you think, boy, I've just got to to make this happen. I've just got to do this. It may work for a little bit, for a short time, but it will ultimately fail. Think of it this way. In another month, you're going to be making New Year's resolutions. 
And when you make your resolution, if you do make one, you decide, I'm going to do this. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to lose that weight. I'm going to start eating right. I'm just going to make myself do this. That may last a couple of days, a couple of weeks, or a couple of months, but it's not going to last long. If discipline is driving the ship, it's not going to last long. But delight is driving the ship. You will do what you delight in. You will fill your life with what you delight in. Religion says, if I try hard and obey him and, and, and do all these things, keep all these rules, then maybe God will love me and maybe I'll love God. But Christianity says, because I love God, I will be obedient. Let's go back to what he said in, in John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you, what's the next word? Y'all said things, but I didn't hear it. If you love me, you... All right, what's that next word? If you love me, you... What, Al? What's the next word? Will. Will. It's going to happen. You You have a love for God. This will happen. You will do it. Rules without a relationship leads to rebellion. You want rules without a relationship? Always leads to rebellion. Israel had been in slavery for 40 years, 400 years, excuse me. They had first moved to Egypt as a large family. Then by the time they became big enough to be a nation, they became slaves. And that's all they knew. And they were a very pure race. Because nobody wants to marry a slave. You marry up, you don't marry down. And they didn't have any laws at all. No rules whatsoever. Because you don't need those as a slave. If you're a slave, you just get up in the morning and say, Yes, master, you don't need any rules. And then 400 years later, here's what God says to them. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month... Is to be the beginning of months for you. Is the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, they must each select an animal of the flock according to their father's families, one animal per family. You are to keep it until the fourteenth day of this month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel will slaughter the animals at twilight. They must take some of the blood and put it on two doorposts and on the lintel of the house where they eat them. They are to eat the meat that night. They should eat it, roast it over the fire, along with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Okay, so. After being in captivity for 400 years, the first words that God spoke to Israel was not, Thou shalt not kill. It's, Have a meal slaughter a lamb, and put the blood on the doorpost. Now, the unusual thing about that is not slaughtering a lamb. They did that all the time. It's sort of like sweeping the floor, taking out the trash. They did that all the time. The unusual part is to take that blood from that lamb and put it on the doorpost. But by doing so, they were declaring that they were trusting in God. By doing so, they were declaring that, God, you, we want you to be our Savior. That's, what they're, that's why it's called the Passover. The, the death angel passed over. That They were experiencing salvation. 
by taking the simple act of trust by putting the blood on the doorpost of their house. And then three months later, when they're at Mount Sinai, three months later, Mount Sinai, and that's where they got the Ten Commandments, Moses knew they weren't there to get in with God. They were there because they were already in with God. They weren't there to start a relationship with God. They were there because they already had a relationship. They weren't at Mount Sinai to find out, is God going to be our God? No, they were there because obviously he already was. A relationship with God is never built around rule keeping. All they had to do to initiate this relationship was to put the, the blood on the doorpost. That was it. That's all they had to do. That simple act of trust, that simple act of faith of taking that blood and put it on the doorpost, and boom, they had a relationship. They were in. Because rules did not come to establish a relationship. Rules came as a confirmation of the relationship. So what I want you to understand is that rules without a relationship always leads to rebellion. We know that from the beginning of our country, don't we? Taxation without representation. Of course, now we have taxation with representation. But, but anyway, that, 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 that's, how, that's how it began. Uh, that's how many, that's why many of you people or many other people, they resist God because they think, I've got to do all these rules to be in with God. God never said that. Rules did not come as a condition of the relationship. They came as a confirmation of the relationship. See, with God, relationship always comes before rules. If God ever gives you a rule, it's because you're already in. You have a relationship. When God gets them on Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 20, what's the first words out of his mouth? What's the first thing that God say? It says this, I am the Lord your God. We already have this because of what you did back in Egypt. The relationship was, was already there. Let's put it this way. If you're a pet owner, whose dog do you keep in your fence? You keep your dog in your fence. Right? You keep your dog in your fence. Did your dog become your dog when you put it in your fence? And now, let's say the dog runs away and is no longer in your fence. Is it still your dog or not? Neighbors call from down the street. We have your dog. No, you don't. My dog's in my fence. No, we have your dog. It's got your tag right here, the collar. It says it's your dog. No, if it was my dog, it'd be in my fence. No. It became your dog not when it was put in your fence. It became your dog when you purchased it. And then you put it in the fence. The commandments of God, those Ten Commandments especially, were God's rules. And that was given not as a condition for a relationship, but as a confirmation for a relationship. And if you're a person who said, I'd love to be with God, I'd love to have this connection with God, but look at my life, look at all the things that, I, that I'm not doing what I should be doing. This is good news for you. It's great news for you. God accepted an entire nation of slaves before they even had a single rule, before they even knew what was right to do. They had no clue what was right or wrong. They'd been slaves the whole time. They didn't have a clue, and God accepted them when they didn't even have a clue. Listen, God died for you for all your sins 2,000 years ago. They were all future when Christ died for them anyway. 
so what God wants to do, He wants this relationship with us. He wants to be our Savior, and He wants us to do just like they did 4,000 years ago. Simply trust in Him. And the good news is, you don't have to go out and slaughter a lamb, put blood on the doorpost. You just put your faith in the blood of Christ, that He died on the cross for your sins. You do that, you're in. And it may be that, that, that some of you, maybe you've heard, well, you've got to, you know, before you can come and be part of us, you've got to keep God's rules. You know, it's, listen, that's probably because people like me said things like that, because you can control a lot of people if you say things like that. But the truth is, you want to be in with God? It's a simple relationship. God, I thought it was about rule keeping, but I understand now it's just about it's just about trusting in your blood that you died on the cross for my sins. And I want to do that now. And I want you to come in. And guess what? When you have this relationship, when you have this connection, when you have this love, this comes easy. Loving others will be easy. Forgiving others will be easy. Serving will be easy. Being holy will be easy. And if this stuff is not easy for you, it's because you lost sight of this. You lost sight of this connection. So, as you've heard me say time and time again, we need revival in our culture. And the reason we need revival is because things are getting darker and decaying. And the reason for that darkness and decay is because we as Christians, we're not being salt and light. We need revival, and that's on us. And I say that, and I say that to Christians, and they agree. Yes, you're right. We need revival, and it's us. It's on our fault as Christians. But I need to stop and drive that home a little bit further. Nobody gets a pass here. Nobody gets to say, yeah, that's on us, but not really that much on me. No, nobody gets a pass. Until we own this, until we own the stuff that's going on in our culture, until we get back to this connection, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. The only way to get back here is through humility. It's so hard for us to grasp. And we refuse to carry the weight of this on our shoulders. Let me put it to you a different way. The principle of representation. We see this all throughout Scripture. We see this in, in, in the book of Joshua at the beginning when, when they, they get through taking Jericho and they're ready to take the little town of Ai. But one guy in the whole nation decides to take something, to do something God said not to do. And what happens? The whole nation gets whooped time and time again. They get set back. Why? Because of one guy. It, it's, it's that principle of representation. The first Adam, this is, this is given to us in Romans chapter 5. You have a first Adam and a second Adam, and they represent all of mankind. 
And we're glad that we have that principle of representation because just as Adam in his sin brought sin to everybody, because of representation, Jesus and his, his, his sacrifice on the cross offers redemption to everybody. But the problem is, is that we're so aware of the decay in our culture, even the decay in other people, sometimes in our church, but we don't want to take any blame on it. We don't want to put that on our back. Listen, we are a body. The church is the body of Christ. You can't have decay by one person over here and you think, oh, I'm okay. No, that's not what a body does. When one part of the body hurts, the whole body carries that burden. When you get up in the middle of the night and stub your toe, your, that toe has the attention of your whole body, doesn't it? The thing is, we live in a culture that says, but I get a pass. I'm not that bad. I don't have the big issues. You know, I, I'm okay. There's no big things in my No, you don't. I don't if, even if you did not have any big issues, which I would argue, if you say you don't have any issues, I'd argue pride. That's your first issue is thinking you don't have any issues. Again, it's pride until we humble ourselves and we're willing to take on our back the responsibility of what the church is doing in our culture. We're going to have a big problem ever getting to this, to this connection. Nobody, 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 nobody. If I do about 10 more nobodies, I'll catch every nobody in here. Nobody gets a pass, okay? Nobody. That's me, you, nobody gets a pass. We don't get to think we're sort of okay. We're not. Tell me who it is that you're discipling. Who it is you've led to Christ. Apparently, we're not making disciples very often, are we? Nobody gets a pass. Yet we think we're okay. We're not. We're not okay. Why? Because pride makes us think, well, I'm okay. We're not. Until we humble ourselves and willing to admit we have to get back to here. That revival, what we want so badly, is never going to happen. And I could start with discipleship event and go on down the line and thing after thing after thing and go, this is not a, a me problem, it's an us problem. We all have to carry the burden of this. We all do. Or we'll never get to here. And if, if we're too prideful to think, well, not really me, I don't really have a problem. Never happened. Never, ever happened. And that's what's going to be sad. Because all you had to do, and I know I'm going to make this sound, I know it's hard. Just humble yourself before Him. You want to connect with God? There's the only one way, and that's through humility, to walk humbly with our God. There's no other way to walk with God. But we got all our pride because we're trying so hard to do this over here, and we're thinking, but I'm keeping the rules. Somewhat. A lot of you aren't even doing that. 
Loving other people. I mean, really loving other people. Regardless, unconditional love for other people. That's one of the rules. That's one of the commandments. He says, I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. We can't even get that straight. So don't tell me this is going okay. It's not. There's not a whole lot of difference between the, 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 the sin that the culture's in and what's going on in the church. Not a big difference. Don't tell me we've got this right. Humility. You want to get here? Then don't pretend everything's okay. Tell somebody. Take that pride. We'll have the invitation in a minute. You just get down right there on your knees in the pew where you're at. Take that pride. I'm going to let everybody know that I need God to deal with my heart. What does it take? What does it take to have this connection? I guess the better question is, what are you willing to do? You understand this has been an issue for a long time in our culture? People 50 years ago thought they were well-connected when they refused to, to love or disciple people just because they were a different color. People 160 years ago in our culture thought, we're connected. And what? Now you got a civil war. You're telling me you're connected? And there's a civil war going on? Now, we've got issues in our culture today, you know, political divisions. We've got COVID mass divisions and everything else. Don't tell me you're connected when you, when you don't have that love for somebody else. Don't tell me you have connection going on. I'm just saying, this has been a problem for a long, this is not new. This has been going on for a long, long, long time. It's been 160 years since there's been a great movement of God across our culture where people just flocked to this connection and they, they fell in love with God. And so as we talked about when we begin this series, people take that next step away and the next step away and they resort to, to all sorts of substitutes. They resort to so much to counterfeits for, for this real connection with God. And I don't know if I can put it any simpler, but we'll try again maybe in the next couple. We'll see if we go with this in the next weeks. But I'm telling you, it's where our culture is at. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.